0: You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Tell somebody, say, I need to see better. Say it like you mean it. Say, I need to see better. We've had crowds that are a fourth this size or louder than you. Say, I need to see better. I need to see better. Man, Vision Month. This is Vision Month, y'all. It is Vision Month. It's not just vision for our church. It's vision for your family, for your marriage, whatever you need vision for. Tell somebody, say, I need to see better. The Bible says my my people perish for lack of vision. Say, I need to see better. Paul said, I fix my eyes. I fix my vision on things above. Tell somebody, say, I need to see better. Not not on what's in front of you, not on what's around you, not your bank account. Tell somebody, say, I need to see better. Bible says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, our vision on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Say, I need to see better. Uh, but Jesus taught that two blind people blind leading the blind they're going to both end up in a ditch tell somebody say I need to see better because if you don't see clearly you can give all you got and you're going to hurt people hurt yourself because you can't see where you're going so what is the point of trying to go so fast so hard tell somebody say I need to see better vision for your life for your family we need it this church needs it and everything I preach for vision of this church is not about this establishment or this local church it is it applies to every part of your life you need to see better you need to see better there are seasons and times in your life that you have to re-examine everything. You have to look in the mirror. you I don't care how good you're doing. I don't care how good your marriage is doing. And really, when it's doing bad, you've waited way too long to look in the mirror. And to take an honest look at your life and leave no, no stone unturned and be honest with yourself. COVID-19 and everything that came with it caused me and forced me to do that. And a lot of you know, a lot of you. I'm the same as you. We're all human. There's issues that you're, you know, that people may say things that aren't true. But regardless of the issues that you do or don't have, you got them. Whether it's what you're accused of or not, you got them. We all got them. I don't have to defend the things that I don't have because I know I got my stuff. I had to take an honest look in the mirror. And I found this, and it's true for all of us, not just catalysts, not just your businesses. It's true for every person and everything on this planet. I had changed. I had changed. Over time, COVID didn't change me. COVID just brought the blinds down on the fact that it happened. This church changed. Not afraid to admit it, it changed. It absolutely changed. The church, the capital C church, the church, the body of Christ all over the world changed. This world changed. It changed. And some things needed to still need to and they have to change. Tell somebody I need to see better. I'm I'm, I'm just a little bit longer. I'm going to make you stand. These two words that are going to start us off. Don't put them up till I say them will because I know you know where I'm going and you'll put them right up and I ain't done yet. These two words got, I love it, because Will like follows my craziness. He ain't even been in the family but like two years and he's with me. These two words got me and grew me through the most difficult season of my ministry, probably my life. God would whisper them in my spirit. He would remind me when I was facing some of the most hardest, most heartbreaking, most impossible situations I've ever had to face, and many of them you probably will never have to. And I just remember these two words nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. When I I had just tears, when I had to look in the mirror and see the way, the things that I did not lead this church healthily, there was things that I got away from. I looked in the mirror and I remember God, just over the course of that season of just nothing's changed. It renewed and strengthen my faith this family my family and this church family and Everything I'm about to preach on, which I will probably preach and repackage every year for as long as I'm standing in here, it will build your life bigger, better, deeper than ever before. If you will practice it and take an honest look, not at everybody else's mirror, but yours. And as you're seated, I'm going to say it, and you better say it The three people as you're seated. Say, nothing's changed. Go for it. Go for it and be seated. (laughs) There we go. Vision is not an easy thing. Vision, we look at vision, we talk about dreaming. No, what about reality? Not where you're going to go, where you are. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. The things that don't change are the things that will change your life. The things that don't change are how you heal your life, rebuild your life, whatever you're building, your marriage, a church, a business, your, the way you raise your kids. It is not the things that, don't cha- that change that will change you for the better. It is the things that don't change. And everything has changed in this world. The people, we have all changed. When I say people, a lot of times when I say people, you think I'm talking about everybody else. Every one of you, me, can we just raise our hands right now? That's something I've been doing lately. You've changed. People, circumstances, they change. Life changes. It will always change. If you've lived long enough, you're going to see life change. And you can either adjust your spirit or you can keep sinking. But nothing, the things that matter most do not change. They do not change. The things that don't change are how you face life, trauma, tragedy, terrible situations that aren't fair that don't make sense your focus has to be on the things that will never change and so for the rest of this message and for the start of this vision month I'm going to give you seven of them seven of them and they're not just true for this church they are true for your life they're true for my life I'm not going to apologize for them it's what it is and if you will get your focus on them I don't know what you've been through I don't know what happened or didn't happen but I'm telling you your life will be better than ever you will go deeper you will be the answer to Paul's prayer when he said that he wants us to know how deep how wide how the love of God is even though we can't possibly he still prayed it tell somebody nothing's changed vision for your life you've got to begin to focus on what has not changed You have got to, you've got to refocus. There is no way you're going to rebuild, restore, redeem, or build bigger your life on the things that do. And everything around you has, but there's some things that hasn't. And the statements tell somebody, say, I'm ready. ready. The statements, these are seven things that, that we've added to them the last year. You can find them on our website, you can find them on your notes. On the bulletin, we got them on the church app. All my sermon notes are there. These are seven things. They do not change. They are not just true for catalysts. They're true for you. Will you make them true for you is the question. Say nothing's changed. We're going to start with Jesus because he's why we're here. Because what Connor said is true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The disciples saw it, experienced it, said it, and I believe it in with all my heart. Nothing. He has not changed. So we'll start with him. Jesus, this is who we are and who we all should be. It will build your life. Jesus is the son of God and the redemption of mankind. He is the image and proof of God's love. His example is the foundation of our faith and the guide to our lives, our ministry, and all that we do. The Bible says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is, he existed before anything was created and is, and is supreme over all creation. Bible teaches that he is the exact representation. When you look in the Greek, it's kind of like the stamped image of the God and everything he is in his heart. Jesus. Says, so the, this is John's, this is Jesus' BFF, John. They nicknamed him the disciple Jesus' love. He said, so the word... Because let's face it, the word is Jesus. The capital W word, Greek word, logos, it says the word was Jesus. John says the word became human, Jesus, and made his home among us. He is full of, read that with me, unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. John says, I saw it. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The disciples cried out in Acts 4 when they were facing prison. They said, Jesus is the stone you, brother, you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Tell somebody, say, nothing's changed. A lot has changed in your life, but he has not. He has not. And you got to quit focusing on what has changed. you got to quit focusing on your spouse that hates you, left you, everybody betrayed you, the world, politics, people, pastors. There's the things that matter most have not changed. And you have changed for the worse because you're focusing on the things that have changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says he is the radiance of God's glory. He is the representation of God's heart for all of us. Jesus cared enough to come down with us. Man, my Christmas series is like I can't wait. Because he is Emmanuel, God, with us. He was not afraid. He is not afraid or ashamed of what you're scared of and ashamed of. He is not. He will jump in the fire with you even if you threw yourself into it. He was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament years, years before he ever walked on earth. He's always been. That's who he is. He's not afraid of what you've done and what you've become. And the truth is you don't have to stay there anymore because of him. He is the good news. He is the gospel. People are like, what is the good news? One word, Jesus. That is all. His love is all that will ever matter. I don't care how I I care, but I don't care about the details of the complexity of your story and situation. Jesus is enough for it. And that will never change. You may bury some kids, but that don't change. Because he's bigger than them. He's with them when they take their last breath, even though it was tragic. It does not change. He is right there with you, and he'll be with you if you put yourself in the ground. The Bible says, "Though though I make my bed in hell, he is with me. That was David who made some terrible decisions that he had to pay a lifetime of consequences for, but he never stopped. That is who Jesus is. That is who he is. A lot has changed, but Jesus has not changed. He is still raises the dead to life. He will still raise the dead in life in you. He heals depression. He will heal your marriage. He will rebuild. You may have wasted 75 years on this earth, but the next 20 or 10 or 5 minutes will be the best. You will see his glory because that is who Jesus is. I, that is who he is. That's why we're here because we do not lose focus on that. And if you do, you will lose what God wants you to experience right here, right now. Tell somebody, say, nothing's changed nothing's changed. I'm telling you, I got up here preaching it for a little bit there and I forgot how good it was. Oh, I, 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 I just lost my focus on it for a minute. Didn't do anything really? Society, many, much of society may celebrate what we were doing here and what I was doing, but I wasn't as serious about it as I should have been. Say nothing's changed. The Bible, the Bible, here's where we are. We believe the Bible is inspired by God. It contains his will for our lives, his promises to us and his plans and past for us. Scripture, Bible says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit. Y'all, surgery don't feel good. We live in a culture because we got so many excuses. We don't like to be told what we're doing wrong. We like to be constantly reminded of what we're doing right. But the Bible will expose the things that you want to hide. It'll also hurt you before it heals you because a lot of times you got to get your feelings hurt to be able to admit the truth before you can live the truth and actually experience it in your life. It says that it will cut between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Do you see this, how much it cuts? Because God will, God doesn't want to harm you, but I'm going to tell you, he will hurt you so that you can experience and get your crap together. That's what the principle, the Bible is offensive, Not from a place of get even and vengeance like we do on social media. It's a place because God loves you too much and he wants you to change your life so that you can experience the life he promised you. And that is why it's offensive. You don't have to like what I say or agree with what I say, but I'm just telling you God wants you to receive some things that will hurt your feelings before they heal your life. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Paul told Timothy, a young pastor, this is the last book that Paul wrote before he was beheaded. He wrote a letter to a young man that was, he was his spiritual son. He said, all scripture is inspired by God and he's useful to what? Teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We like to be appeased and encouraged. We like to be just built up. But sometimes you got to be broken down and you got to redo the foundation altogether so you can build back up bigger. And I would rather be told the truth later when I've lost so much than to live a lie and not truly live the depth of what God has called me to live. Young people, it's better to do it now, to adjust your life now and not pay the price for living stupid at 35, 45, and 55. Older people, older people, do not lose hope because of how much is behind you you because King David said I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living that is what the Bible does to us it will reveal what is wrong in our lives and we don't like that we don't like that we don't talk about what everybody else is doing wrong you know what I mean people because I'm so close to so many lives I see them ha- 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 we lash out at everybody else because the crap we do just so other people don't know about it so we want everybody to know about what they're doing the Bible will change your life I know what people are thinking. First, let me tell you what the Bible is not because it's not a textbook. Here's the thing. We like to, it's not a textbook. Matter of fact, it's not even a book. Word Bible really means library. It's a collection of writings that show the history of God's grace and his plan. And you can see it was written over 1,500 years, about, best I remember, about 40 different authors. It is not one book. It's not the chapter verses thing. That ain't even a thing that we did that for all us folks. It spoils us, but there was no chapter verses. It was letters. It was a collection of writings. It is not this. It is a library. It is a conversation that was never meant to stop with the New Testament. It continues in our heart. It expands because the love of God and the presence of God was always meant to expand in us. Let the love of God be shed abroad in your hearts. Remember that? But what we do is we act like it's a textbook. This is black and white. This is what it is. No, it's supposed to continue. So do I acknowledge, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that the Bible has been mistaught, misused, abused, just like everything else good in the world. We are good at messing good things up. The Bible says that too, by the way. We're, we're, I mean, we're messy. Can I be honest with you? started Catalyst, had this, huge, had this huge burden for people that had been hurt by church. Let me just tell you, the Bible saved my life at a young age. I was reading it, I remember being a kid, highlighting Proverbs like I've always, it saved me at such a young age from such a, from a rough, heartbreaking situation that didn't end as his childhood. The principles are what made me who I am. We start catalysts and I start trying to, I start overcompensating. I don't mean to. When I'm sincerely wrong, I'm sincere about it. By the way, sincerity is great, but so is being open to being wrong. And I start preaching. I do agree there's a lot of toxic stuff out there that is taught, especially in the American church. But I started preaching less scripture. It was like I I preached the first several years here, like I was trying to protect people from the thing that saved me. So I decided, you know, when I had to look in the mirror, I thought, "No, there's times when Terry makes the bulletin; she can't even put all the scripture in there." We had some, we had a couple people leave the church uh, when when I when I made this adjust adjustment. They told me, they said, they said, uh, they said, "Ben, you preach the word so much so that sometimes I can't follow you. If you've been in church 30 years and you can't follow what I'm saying, that is not my problem. That is not my issue." I'm not a, the thing is, is, the principle, this, I understood it as I, as three, four, five, 13 years old. Is there was moments, it was the only encouragement I had. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. King David, in some of the worst seasons of his life, he said, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, I want, when he made mistakes, he said, I will hide. He murdered somebody and he said, I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God so that I can grow, so that I can get better, not stay stuck. The the Bible works if you work it. And if you want to make it what you want to make it, if you want to cherry pick and live off tweets and memes, do that all you want to. We mess anything good up. That's who we are. So don't blame the Bible for people that have abused it. I'm not perfect. I just don't pretend to be. The Bible works. And a lot has changed in this world. A lot of interpretations and understandings and a lot of people's hearts have changed. But this has not changed. If you will come to it honestly... If you will come to it honestly, do you know why we do what we do here? You know why we ask babies and mamas? We sit them all close to back here where they can hit the door if their babies are fussy. We don't just do it because we don't we don't have a place for mamas with young babies. We understand first-time mamas. We want them to be able to get out there, not have to walk the sh- walk of shame and be anxiety, and have three different places to watch it because we want to invest in everybody as best we can. We cut the coffee and food off. By the way. Y'all hope somebody's still covering that thing because when the message starts, we do that. We ask you to stay in your seat. You take 10 restroom breaks. Watch it out there if, you don't, if you're bored with it. But the reason we do that is because we believe that if we are attentive to and open to and have the heart to really be honest with where we are, that the scripture will change your life. Day by it continues to change my life when I'm willing to come to it with an open heart. He will speak to you. It will, God will speak to you through His word. If you're, if you're not getting spoken to, it's because you ain't honest. That's what I believe. It's what it is. And I'm telling you, it does not change. Tell somebody to say, nothing's changed. Yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. The church, man, the church. Woo, this has, been a, this has been one I've really had to shift in my life and ministry. And I agree with all the things that I used to believe. I just had the wrong methods. The church is the movement of God working to, working to bring people to Jesus, make disciples, and be his hands and feet. It's not something we do. It's who we are. Paul said it very clearly, simplified it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. The church was supernatural from the beginning. The greatest critic cannot deny the church, it is unexplainable. I heard it, I read it, uh, reread a book I read 10 years ago. Uh, He said the, the church is unexplainable, but it's also undeniable. The founder was executed. Executed And 12 people, his followers, start a movement. And the same nation that executed Jesus, executed him. Said people lead the same nation that killed all them to become a Christian nation, the Roman Empire. Impossible. But Jesus very clearly said that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus said, upon this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, not the Roman Empire, not your boss that don't like you, that's trying to get you fired and set you up, not your friend that wants, not your friend or your ex-family or your blood family or whatever, your boyfriend, girlfriend that wants to ruin your life, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So is the church messy? Trust me. I started a, we started a church, and I was wounded by church people. I didn't like it. I still probably don't talk like one all the time because of that. But I'm going to tell you, the church was supposed to be messy. It started out, we're messy. That's not a church problem. That's a human problem. I'm not Jesus. I just want to be more like him day by day. I used to get up here and preach about it like it was the problem. Man, that's not a problem. We're all the church in the problem. I, work your own salvation out. Look in the mirror. It's all there. Church started as a movement of messed up people. Don't believe me? Let me just go with three. Simon, not Simon Peter. Simon the zealot. Jesus chose one of his 12. You wouldn't pick zealots because zealots were the most violent of Jews. See, Pharisees were that country club stuck up, think they're better than everybody and throw their money and power and knowledge around. That was a Pharisee. A zealot was another type of, 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 of Jew. A zealot was like what you would consider now a radical terroristic type. Their coping mechanism wasn't putting on a show and getting on social media and talking junk. They're, they just slit your throat. Yeah, we put those people in prison now. That was who Jesus chose. It started out, it's it's, it's not messed up. It's not a problem that it's messed up. The problem is when we don't come to Him and realize we're messed up. Uh, Let's go with another one. Uh, Matthew, Levi, tax collector. By the way, I love the chosen. They got that wrong. (laughs) Levi, Matthew, he wasn't some autistic, obsessive joker about money. A tax collector in that time was like pimp level evil. They would take money, they would work for the Roman Empire. By the way, this man is a Jew, and they would take money from the Jews for the Roman Empire, overcharge them, like it was like drug dealing, drug lord type thing, that type of evil, and families would go broke and starved because of people like Matthew and Levi. But I don't know, he starts a movement with these guys, but we try to be perfect, and when, when we're not, people walk away and, and walk away from God because we're supposed to be God, but we're really not, we're just trying to be, and if you're, try, if you're trying to get back. Peter, Peter, Peter probably had some mental illness. God went from saying you're the son of the living God uh, to ghetto fabulous and cutting off ears in like 5.7 seconds. I mean, let's face it. Peter literally was a little cray-cray. He was extra. This movement called the church started with messed up people. You see the end of their story, but you don't see what got them there. You don't see the process. So what we do is we judge people uh, we don't see the we don't we don't we don't acknowledge the process. We just judge them based on where they are. But the point is, honesty is what changes you. And the church, when Jesus said, "Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it," he uses the word "ecclesia," which is uh, simply means follower or congregation. This is ecclesia. Jesus was making a promise not to fans of Jesus, but to followers. This was not a promise to people who just go through the motions. This is a promise to people that follow him. And Jesus, every one of us, tell somebody, say, you're the church. You are called. You are anointed. We got this idea that, that church is something we come to. You are not a customer. You are not, you are not a customer. You are not a consumer. And if you come in here with the attitude of, of that I just have something to receive when I come to a service, that is not Christian. That is not Church. The Bible says you were a holy priesthood. You were chosen people. Jesus, when he said that to Peter, that I'll build my church, and he said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom, you are anointed. You have a part to play. God has given you spiritual gifts. Yours may not be preaching, but you got something to give. And God made you, not just for you to enjoy this life, not to just enjoy your kids, but to invest in other people. It was always supposed to be that way. Whether you're catching touchdowns, young people... Whether you're in the corporate world, whether you're digging ditches and flipping burgers, whether in, your, in this church family, in your family, with your kids. Paul said, whether I eat or drink, I do it for the glory of God. A lot of things have changed, but that hasn't changed. The church was supposed to be, it was not supposed to be perfect. But we are a place where we seek God's presence and we are changed and challenged by it. And that hasn't changed. And that is a movement. You are what God wants to do about it. Not just me, you. Tell somebody nothing's changed. It's time to rebuild our world. It's time to rebuild our world, and we rebuild it on what doesn't change. Not on what's changed in D.C., not on Joe Biden, whoever the Republican nominee to run, whether they win it or not. I don't care. The point is, Jesus said, you and me, we have an anointing. We have something God has called us to do, and I don't know what you're gifted to do. I get up here, and I'm a little crazy sometimes. But whatever, whether it's your backbone or your spirit, God has called you to do something with it. Say nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Baptism. People are like so confused because there's so many different details and people cry to major or minors. Baptism is an expression of faith to symbolize, celebrate, and acknowledge the inward change that God has made bringing the dead in us to life. Peter said this about baptism. I love this because it applies to every response, not just baptism. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body. People think I gotta be perfect to jump in here and say, I'm gonna try. He says, baptism is not what makes you clean. It is not what heals you. But as a response, that's what the water is. To God from a clean conscience. A response, say response with me. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a response. When somebody offers you something, an opportunity, you respond to it. Teenagers, you hear that? Don't you be ghosting people. I'm going to call you out till you start responding to text. Parents and grandparents. I know you you get mad at your teenagers, but when it's something you don't like to, you don't want to respond to, you ignore it for three days or don't respond to it. Don't tell your kids not to do it. You don't ghost people. It's disrespectful. Respond. You don't want to respond to it. You don't want to respond to your spouse that's acting a fool or your friend that's about to go down a road. Respond. Baptism is a response. It's a response. And if you've been baptized and it's not your, you're not you're committing your life or not recommitting in baptism, you respond in every season in some way to the promises of God in that season. You respond. Baptism is a response. Everything we do in life is about responding. We respond. And there's some things that you're running from that God is calling you to respond to. And you will ruin, wreck, you will live so much heartbreak. You will have train wreck after train wreck if you run from things that God is calling you to respond to. Baptism is the first step, but God has called us to respond to his love, to what he's called us to do in that season. Whether you're raising kids, about to make kids, ain't never going to have kids. I don't know. I'm just saying you respond. You respond. God has called us to respond. He will not force himself on you, but by gosh, you better respond. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like for you or for me, but I know that we need to be obedient and respond. Because a lot of things we're responding to aren't productive. You respond to people who provoke you at your job and are talking about you and saying you don't need the promotion. You respond to the people that don't think your kid needs to be put on the bench. You respond to the teacher like they're not the adult and your kid is. You respond to everything. You react. We have to begin to respond to him. And baptism is the first step, but it's not the last one. You live by choices. Jesus said, whosoever will may come, we respond. Tell somebody to say respond. Respond. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Salvation. Salvation. This is what we believe salvation is. God's forgiveness and grace are gifts given to every single person. They are not based on our works, but Jesus' work on the cross. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus taught this. He says, I'm the gate. This is beautiful, the gate. We miss the beauty of this. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. What's that sound like? Freedom, joy. Then he says the famous verse, the thief comes, to, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you may have life. That's what salvation is, life and have it to the full. In American society and many of American denominations, we look, or at least we unintentionally teach it, salvation like it's a trophy you put on a shelf. I got saved when I was seven. I did all that. And every every Sunday is about coming to the altar and tell and, and, and not go. Listen to me, salvation is much more taught in the Bible, like a like a vintage guitar, that you learn to play it. You learn to play it and you learn to play it better and better. And your kids and grandkids play it one day because, because they got it passed down from mama and daddy. That is salvation. Salvation is so much more. God doesn't just want to save you one day when you die, He wants to save you today, in every situation, in every season. I'm Tell you pastors need salvation. I'm talking to myself. You need salvation. We all need to be saved in certain seasons. We in every season. We just we get away from it and don't acknowledge it. Salvation is that it is cheap to preach and to think that because you accepted Jesus years ago and you don't take him seriously and you're 70 years old, that is cheap. God wants to do so much more in your life. And the Bible says, Jesus, Jesus says, I'm the gate. This is beautiful. We missed it. What he says is, I'm the gate. Let me get put in 2022 terms. He's the bouncer at the VIP of the club where he decides who gets in and gets out. He said, come through me. I know your heart. I know what i meant made you to be. Your mama don't. Your ex don't. Your daddy don't. Your boss don't. I know it. You need to come to me. You don't even know yourself like him. Come to me. I'm the bouncer. I'm the VIP. You are the head and not the tail. And I want to save you every single day. I don't want you to just take your last breath and have a ticket. I want you to have a ticket and experience me right now. That is what salvation is. And I don't preach it like Baptists. I don't preach it like Charismatics. I preach it whatever you're dealing with in this moment. God wants to do something in your life. He wants you to have freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what Liberty, freedom, life. Now, when I talk to people, I don't, you bring your teenager to me, they don't believe in God. I'm going to tell them I ain't worried about you. I'm going to take them to eat pizza. I'm not going to alarm them because I don't worry. Salvation is so much more than what we settle for in this society. He wants so much more than to save you one day. That's ridiculous. Is that all you want for yourself? If you know it's hard, it's not. Do like the prodigal, man. The prodigal left his daddy. He left him. This is a story Jesus talks about salvation. He, he leaves his daddy. He takes his inheritance. You know, God, the father loved the prodigal so much. He just gave it all to him. Take it. Do what you want. He didn't withhold it. You ain't getting nothing from me. Maybe you could treat your teenagers and adults kids like that. I'm talking to myself and not try to control them and opinion, be opinionated. He gave him every bit of his inter- inheritance. God goes and wasted on prostitutes and, and wild living. He ends up broken with nothing. He's cleaning pig pens in somebody else's pig pen, not his daddy's. And he says he was so hungry and so broken that he was craving the pig food. This is salvation. He says, I don't have to do this at my daddy's house. I wouldn't have to do this if I went home to daddy right now. I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't have to keep putting up with everybody's junk. I don't have to keep giving everybody junk. I don't have to live bitter because because of the people that hurt me. I don't have to keep I don't have to keep craving trading sex for attention because I'm trying to get from guys or girls what my mom and daddy didn't give me. I don't have to keep living like this. I don't have to. And what he did is he turned. And we talk about the end of the story. We talk about him going home and daddy being waiting on him in this embrace. That's beautiful. But you know what he did? He turned. What we don't read about in this story, but every part in each step, because it was a long journey back home. That's what God wants to do with you. He will close the gaps when you will say, I don't have to keep living skeptical and angry. I can look at my mistakes, be honest, leave them there, turn around and go back. That is salvation. And that's what you're going to get here because it will change your life. i don't have to worry about one day because Jesus wants to take care of my life today. Tell somebody say nothing's changed. In a world where we have been self-destructive, we have dug ourselves holes and blamed everybody else for them. He still wants to save you. He would still go to the cross for you. He would do it right now. He would do it again if he needed to. He doesn't. Nothing's changed. I got like four minutes on the countdown. I'm trying to work and get this thing hemmed up right now, so we can. Because I know we're going to eventually. Y'all see, we're going to go to two services for too much longer, and I, I don't know. I got to tighten this thing up. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm on today. So, so I got, I got to, I just got to move. Two statements. We started out with five at Catalyst. That's what we did two years ago, and I had to take a hard, long look in the mirror. And I added these next two statements. And this next one is my heart. It is the biggest change you've seen in this culture. It is the things that we do not hide from. It may be awkward for some, but I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, you really ain't going to find healing or freedom until you embrace your own awkward. The Holy Spirit. I, I can't believe that the way I grew up, that I never had something that matters, like that nothing changes. I can't believe I could kick myself in the... For not doing this. But I had to come back to it myself first. The Holy Spirit is our counselor and our helper. We can be close to God through the Holy Spirit. God wants to do life with us. God's Spirit changes our lives, and the power of God's Spirit works through our lives. Jesus said, I Jesus said He promised it. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. One, on that day, you will realize that I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Amen. On that day when you finally realize that I've always been there, and you experience it like Jacob did back, back in Bethel, you'll realize it. He told, the, he told the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all the Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to tell you, I take it serious now. When, not to, I always did, but I'm going to unapologetically say, when Jesus says greater things will we do, I take it seriously. When John says greater is he who is in you, he who is in me, tell somebody, say he's talking to you. I take it seriously. When the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me, I take it seriously. The presence of God changes everything. I, I'm telling you, it changed a three-year-old kid. I have memories at three years old of humping over my bed and praying and experiencing his, experience, experience his presence. And I don't know why we got away from altar calls. I can't look back, but I can tell you I'm looking forward. And his presence changes everything. Jesus, it says that he breathed on his disciples and. received his spirit. Last year, just like when I was a kid, two years ago when COVID and the world fell apart, I began to have to come back and say, God, I want to experience you like I did then. Because you can have all the knowledge in the world. I got three degrees. Knowledge puffeth up, the Bible says. But his presence changes everything. I don't have to know it all. You don't have to know it all. You don't even have to know enough to experience his presence. You just have to be hungry. Not hide, hungry. And I came back. The three degrees aren't what filled me to overflow it wasn't that it wasn't how much the Bible I read last week because some weeks I'm ashamed at how much I'm able to read because I'm busy but it was my hunger to say I love you and I want to be changed by you and I want to experience your presence and this world needs it now more than ever he breathed on them You can think it's crazy. You can be like, oh, they're going old school there. Well, some things aren't old school. They're timeless. And God's presence is what sets this religion that is a relationship apart. He wants to be close to you. And his presence will break generational curses. It will break patterns and strongholds that you've been stuck in way longer than you had to be. You won't keep dating people the same type of dysfunction and hurting people. His presence changes everything. Addiction does not stand a chance to his presence, but you have to seek it and choose it. The same power that raised Jesus to life will raise your family to life, will raise your marriage to life, will raise your kids to life. It's the reason that I got all these diseases and stuff that they've diagnosed me with and I shouldn't be up here, but I'm here. It's the reason that that that, that last year we probably lost two thirds of our church because of terrorism. Terrible, like the whole world, terrible situations. God pulled the rug out from under me. I'm here. This is here because of his presence. Not Ben, not you, him, him. And the world needs his presence more than ever before. We need him, not what he can do for us. Not what he can do for us. You want to experience him? You better want to experience him because don't come to him for the benefits. Don't come to him for the benefits. Come to him for him and he'll change your life. Things that you thought you, you don't even know what life looks like because you're so used to dysfunction, his presence will change you. Everything. Tell somebody, say nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And lastly, generosity. We don't have to be generous. We get to be generous. Jesus gave us his all. Therefore, we want, say want, to give him our all. We trust him with what he's entrusted to us and we invest in what we believe in. For God so loved the world that he, say that with me, gave. What do he do? You love your kids and what do you do? You love your job and you believe in what you're doing. What do you do? Doesn't matter what it is. If you're a pastor and you don't work on your messages until Saturday, then you truly don't love it the way you should because you didn't. He loved the world that he gave. I, my heart now, which is why I can stand up here and I can talk about anything from money to your marriage to my past to people that I have wounds with is because I don't have to do anything. I, I, I've had to learn that a little. Paul said all things are lawful to me. Not all things are profitable, but he said all things are lawful. I can do whatever I want. You can, come, you can do whatever you want but I get to be a part of the kingdom of God. I get to come here. I get to show up. I don't look at this as something I, this is a privilege that God could take. preaching to you is a privilege. Being a parent to your kids is a privilege. And don't be mad if they go if if they end up finding a daddy that loves them because you you decided not to be that for them. Don't hate the daddy. Come on. I get to show up. I get to be his child. I get to be generous. I get to give my money here. I get to give my life here. I get me and Angie are downsizing moving within 10 minutes of the church because we're going to build this church and pour our lives in this next season and however many seasons God wants us to. I get to your job, your marriage. Don't look at it as I have to. I get to. Because God, it doesn't matter how small or big it is right now, He will not grow what you do not give to Him. And you better have the mindset of, I get. And I'm not apologizing for the things that I will preach, but I will tell you it's not for God, it's not for Catalyst, it's for you. Everything I preach, it is for you. Connor, will you go ahead and make your way up here? This is what matters. This is what matters. This is it. It's it's what built my life back. It's what built this church back. It's what will build your family back, better, deeper, healthier than ever before. It's what matters. Everything that's happened to you that you can't make sense of and can't get out of, it doesn't matter. This is what matters. It's what matters. He loves you. The gospel hasn't changed. God's love for you hasn't changed. You've changed. Your focus has changed. Your heart has changed. You're skeptical, you're cynical, you're bitter, you're sensitive. You pop off at the first sign of trouble. You run away, you you burn things down. You have changed. His heart has not changed. I had to look in the mirror. And even though there were in my life, not just last year or two years ago, there's many times in my life. Some of the greatest greatest growth is when I had to look in the mirror and say, Man, I changed. My heart got off. I got callous. I got numb. Because I can I can light I I, I can do the hype thing. You can see that if you're a guest here, I can do the hype thing. But it, but I gotta I gotta do the mirror thing. You gotta. Y'all, it's it's the only thing that matters what the the prodigal did. You gotta say, I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't have to keep doing this. I don't have to keep staying in this. I don't have to keep cowering out of every relationship. I don't have to keep... Beating somebody up and flipping out and losing my job and my and everybody's respect by acting a fool because I got temper issues. And though temper issues aren't trust with people, it's trust with God. Because if you truly believe God, you believe that God is bigger than whatever person is standing against you. It's still a God issue. I'm coming home no more. No more going from marriage to marriage. No more having company and companionship because I'm so scared of being alone that I'll wake up next to anybody no more. No more. No more being afraid and walking in a room with so much anxiety that I can't even see straight, let alone be civil. No more. No more being scared because God is going to make you do some things that you don't think you can do that you're afraid of. No more. I'm coming home. No more crap. No more fear. No more. No more. I'm coming home. I'm going to face the things I need to face. I'm going to have the conversations I need to have. I'm going to do the things I need to do because where I was is not near to where God wants me to go and take me. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us, Paul said. I'm coming home. I imagine the prodigal son didn't walk home. He ran. Well, it's probably a marathon if that's what it took. Because we have to run to him. We have to run to him, y'all. Will you stand to your feet right now? Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.